Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took upon our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression, he was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all.
sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Peace. 
continue our worship this morning, 533 in your hymnal. And as we're seeing this, uh, the children can be slipping down to Children's Church. And uh, we'll stand and sing 533. Welcome you today. We so appreciate our choir leading us in worship so far. Let's continue that. 533, and those children can slip out to Children's Church. 533, let's stand and sing. He lives. And sing it out like you mean it. 533. tough job ahead of me in the next few minutes because for some it's been a very long morning. You've had a big breakfast. You're comfortable, I'm sure, and uh, you survived. Some of you Sunday school. Some didn't survive so well, but uh, I'm going to do my best for just a few minutes with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. Uh, New Testament Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and we'll be there this morning. I'm going to give you several passages of scripture, so you may want to jot some of these down for future reference. Acts chapter one, we'll begin reading at verse number one. Just a few minutes in God's word as we celebrate. It's been an awesome morning so far, and we thank the Lord that we serve a risen Savior. Acts chapter one. And I'll begin reading at verse number one. God's word says the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up 
after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me. Verse five, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Therefore, when they come together, they ask him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Verse nine. Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Speak to your servant today according to your will for your glory. In Jesus name. Amen. What an awesome passage of scripture we have before us this morning. Wouldn't you love to have been there that day to be standing and watching as the resurrected Lord Jesus ascends back into heaven? I think I would have been like many of them there that day. I would have been just standing there, just gazing, just just looking up into heaven where my risen, resurrected Lord. I just saw him go and he's received up into the cloud and I'm standing there gazing. Do you think they were caught off guard? Do you think they were startled by those angels that came up to them and said, hey, men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Uh, Now, this same Jesus, which you see going up, is going to come as you saw him go up. He's going to come back. And uh, there's so much that could be said with just these 11 verses. But I'm going to limit myself to one question this morning. One question that captivated me this past week as I thought about our risen Savior, as I thought about the resurrection. And that's this question. What is our risen Savior currently doing? What is our risen Savior currently doing? Now, if you look at verse 11, the Bible says, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. It's kind of like a bookend, verse 11 is. He's taken up into heaven. He's going to come back from heaven. But what about the in-between time? What about the time? What, what is he currently doing in heaven? What's taking place between the ascension we read about here in the book of Acts and his second coming? What is our Savior, our risen Savior, currently doing? Now, before I answer that question, let me just go ahead and tell you, we're just going to scratch the surface. We're just going to merely scratch the surface concerning this great theme. We cannot, we could not exhaust it if we so desire. But I want to point out four things to you this morning that our risen Savior is currently doing. Number one, he is building his church. He is building his church. Listen to what it says in Matthew 16, 18. The Lord Jesus says, and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Then look here in chapter one, verse eight. He tells them to wait. And then verse eight says of chapter one of the book of Acts, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then in the very next chapter, we have the birth of the church. We've been looking at this passage quite a bit lately. It's been studying about the church. Look at Acts chapter two, beginning at verse 40. The Bible says. And with many of the words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about three thousand souls were added to them. The church, the church, the body of Christ is made up of all believers. 
Jews and Gentiles, every race, every stripe, each person who places their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who turns from their sin, they become a member of his body. They become a part of the universal church. Jesus right now is building his church. I love what it says in Ephesians chapter five. We often turn to that passage to look at the relationship between a husband and a wife, and there are great things there. But listen to what it says about Jesus and the church. Ephesians 5, 25-27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might, now listen, that he might sanctify and cleanse with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Jesus is building his church. Now, I wonder today, friend, are you a part of Christ's church? Are you a part of the body of Christ? Now, I don't mean here at Red Hill, a member of this local church, as wonderful as that is. I mean, are you a part of the body of Christ? Are you a member of the body of Christ? Have you turned from your sin and placed your faith totally And completely in the risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's why we celebrate Easter. Easter, the resurrection, came after the suffering and the crucifixion. Jesus endured all that that he might pay for our pardon, that he might cleanse us, that he might pay for our sin, and give us the opportunity to become the sons and daughters of God. Because he lives, we can live. Do you know him As Lord and Savior today. Do you know him? You see, each person has to know him personally. Your mom and dad cannot do this for you. Grandpa and grandpa, uh, grandpa cannot do this for you. You must come and personally place your faith totally and completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never received him, let me invite you on this Easter Sunday morning. Turn from your sin and turn to Christ. Jesus is building his church. He's redeeming men and women, boys and girls, giving them eternal life. If you've never been saved, be saved today. Turn from your sin to Christ. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. The rest of the message is for those who are believers, for those who are part of the body of Christ, to those who have already placed their faith in Christ. What is our risen Savior currently doing? We know he's building his church, but once we're a part of his church, do you realize right now? He's currently doing this ministry. He is praying for us. He is praying for us. Listen to these verses. Romans 8.34. Romans 8.34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Now listen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Listen, since he always lives, he always lives to make intercession for them. Now, think about this. Jesus Christ is praying for us. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is praying for us. He's making intercession for us. I love when people tell me they have prayed for me or are praying for me. One of the greatest gifts you could ever give anybody is to pray for that individual. But imagine the Lord Jesus is praying. Now, as a believer, Jesus is praying for me. Do you realize, likewise, as a child of God, the Holy Spirit is praying for me and for us? Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. you have any weaknesses? have any troubles? Yeah, for we do not know what we should pray for as we all. You ever been there? But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So I have the Holy Spirit interceding for me. I have the Lord Jesus interceding for me. And listen, as the great high priest, Jesus can help us. Listen to these verses, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Listen, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. 
Maybe you think nobody understands me. Jesus does. He understands. Listen, it says, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. You say, well, nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody understands temptations I bear. Nobody understands my problems. Jesus does. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are. But here's the difference. Yet without sin. And the next verse says this. Let us therefore, because of that, because of our great high priest, because he understands, because he's touched the feeling of our, our infirmities, because he's been tempted in all points, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in the time of need. I don't know about you, but I have to go there because I have those times of need so often. We have a great high priest. He's praying for us. He's interceding for us right now. Did you realize that when we sin, when we sin, the Lord Jesus can restore our fellowship with the Father? Listen to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 through chapter 2, verse 2. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, 1 John 2, 1 says, my little children, these things I write to you that, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, listen, we have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. You see, he's our advocate. He's our intercessor. He is praying for us. What is our risen Savior currently doing? He's building his church. He's praying for us. Oh, but we're not done. There's a third thing. You're going to love this one. He's preparing a place for us. He is preparing a place for us. Now, I want you to, to turn back. If you're in Acts 1, just turn back to the previous book, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Just slip back a couple pages. If you're in Acts 1. And I want you to see what our risen Savior is currently doing. He's preparing a place for us. Those of us who know him, those of us who repented of our sin and placed our faith in him. The Gospel of John, chapter 14 The Lord Jesus is speaking, and in verse 1 of John 14, here's what it says. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now watch the next part. I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. It keeps getting better and better, doesn't it? He saves us. He prays for us. And now he's preparing a place for us. Now, what does it mean when he says, I go to prepare a place for you? Well, there may be two meanings here. When the Lord Jesus said this in the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter, Calvary was still ahead of him. And so he's going to Calvary to prepare a place for us because only through salvation, only through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, could we ever hope to spend eternity with him. And so he's going to prepare a place for us as he goes to Calvary. He's done that. But there's a second idea we think here, and that is this. He is currently preparing a place for us right now. I go to prepare a place for you. He ascended back into heaven. And of course, they said the same Jesus whom you see go up shall so come in like manner. Now, we don't know what all these preparations are. I'll be honest with you. But whatever is exactly meant here is he's talking about preparing a place for us. Is it not glorious to know that he has a place for you and a place for me in his father's house? Do you see the love? He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Do you see the love? When I go to visit and my parents and we go home. My mother makes a lot of preparations. She's actually been making preparations this past week and probably the week before. And she'll make sure that the, the bed linens are ready and she'll plan to cook meals. She'll call me from the grocery store. And ask me, what do you all like this? What 
What do the boys do? What, what kind of this and what kind of that? And we're going to have this. And do you want this? I'm serious. She makes preparations. She's getting everything ready. Why? She's preparing a place for us. Out of love. She's preparing a place for us. But even greater, the Lord Jesus is preparing a place for us. Hallelujah. He's preparing a place for us. What a day it will be. But it doesn't stop there. See, our risen Savior currently right now, he's building his church and he's praying for us and he's preparing a place for us. But there's a fourth thing, and that is he's waiting to come get us. That's that same chapter, John chapter 14. If you keep reading to verse three, notice what it says in verse three. And if I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again. And receive you to myself. Now watch this next part. That where I am, there you may be also. He's waiting to come get us. Now between the ascension, Acts 1, he goes back to heaven. And between the second coming, where he comes to rule with a rod of iron upon the earth, there's something in between that we refer to as the rapture. It means being caught up. To be caught up with him. It's where Jesus comes to get those who belong to him. And if we're still living when that hour comes, we will go and meet him in the air. Let me read it for you. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Uh, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, praise God, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself would ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, I'd love to be in the cemetery, wouldn't you? At that very moment. I don't only stand on a grave, but I just, right next, whoo, and I go up, hallelujah. As they're joined back with their resurrected, glorified bodies. But notice what it says. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And watch this next part. And thus we shall always be With the Lord. And it goes on to say in verse 18, therefore, comfort one another with these words. At the right time, Jesus is coming to get us. He wants us to be with him, the Bible says, always. Now, I'm sure everybody here, you've been a guest, I'm assuming, in someone's home. Or or you have received guests into your home. It may have been family, it may have been friends, but you've gone and you've visited somebody, you've been a guest, or you've had them come visit you and they've been a guest. Whenever that takes place, there's a rule, isn't there? Guests come, but eventually what happens? Guests go. Sometimes you're happy when they go. You rejoice at the headlights. You throw a party at the taillights. <laughs> Think about that. Now listen. Some of you are telling on yourself. You, better, you might have guests with you today. We're not going as guests. We're not going for a little while. We're going as sons and daughters of the king. We're going to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever and ever forever. We'll always be with the Lord. We're going home. You see, this world is not our home. Heaven is our home and we're going home. Our Savior lives. One author I read said this, our Savior, he mentioned he's alive and he's active. We've seen today he is busy. He's currently busy. Our risen Savior, he's at the right hand of God the Father. He's building his church. 
He's praying, he's interceding for us. He's our advocate. He's preparing a place for us and he's waiting to come get us. But listen, only if we know him. Are you still in John 14? If you drop down to verse four, Jesus says, and where I go, you know, and the way, you know, Thomas, bless his heart. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going and how can we know the way? Verse six, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Now, hear me, friend. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to the father. There's only one way for forgiveness of sin, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many today who will try to tell you that all religions And all roads lead to the same destination. That's not true. That's not even true in this life, is it? You take one road, you're going to go one place. Take another, you go somewhere else. But listen, even more so. Jesus says, listen, I am the way, the truth, the life, the only way that you're going to make it to heaven. The only way you're going to make it to the Father is through me. By turning from your sin and placing your faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ alone. You see, that's why he died. That's why he allowed them to place him on that cross. That's why he went through all that suffering, taking upon himself the sin of the whole world, being placed in that tomb and then arising the third day. He did that, that you and I might have life. Now, I want to ask you again on this Resurrection Sunday, do you know him? If not, when we sing in a moment, would you allow somebody to take a Bible and just sit down with you and share with you the gospel and share with you Christ and, and show you and answer any questions you might have and make sure that you leave here headed home to be with Jesus forever and ever. Our Savior's alive. Our Savior's active and busy. He's building his church. He's praying for us. He's preparing a place for us. And he's coming again to get us. Will you meet him in the air when he comes? Do you know the Lord Jesus? Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. Thank you for our risen Savior. Thank you for the ministry that he's carrying on right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love for us. And giving of yourself, now ever living to make intercession for us. Preparing a place for us, coming to get us. Father, our hearts are heavy to think that anyone within the sound of my voice in this building, or maybe even listening to this message later somewhere else, does not know Jesus, is not headed to heaven, does not have a home there, I pray your Holy Spirit right now to do that work which only he can do to convict, to show the need of Christ and to bring that one or two or whoever may be to saving faith in the Lord Jesus. We love you. We praise you and thank you. And we ask this in Jesus name. Amen. Our thought for our closing hymn this morning. We consider what Christ accomplished and what he's done and the victory that was his. We should sing that song, Victory in Jesus, 426 in your hymn book. And the invitation is very simple today. If you don't know Jesus and you'd like to meet Jesus, to place your faith in him, when we start singing, you just walk down and come see me and I'll put you with someone who will take a Bible and sit down with you. We're not here to embarrass you. are not going to point you out or anything, you just walk down, meet me here, and allow somebody to sit down with the Bible and share Christ with you. We want to help you. And so as we sing this, that's the invitation. If you know the Lord Jesus, you ought to sing it with all your might, because there's victory. Not only has he ministered and done all those things for us in Calvary, he's still ministering for us today. He's active and alive. Bless his name. 426. Let's stand and sing. You come, friend, as we sing. 426.